Welcome to the Pause Purpose Play podcast with me, Michaela Thomas, clinical psychologist, couples therapist, and founder of The Thomas Connection. I help high-striving busy people let go of the pressure of perfection to create more joy, connection, and compassion in their lives. On this podcast, we promote balance of a burnout through giving you the permission to pause, the curiosity to find your purpose, and the courage to play. Welcome back to the Pause Purpose Play podcast with me, your host, Michaela Thomas. By now, you must know that I'm really passionate about embracing imperfection and how connection is more important than perfection. So therefore, there's no surprise that today's guest is covering a lot about perfection and the pressure to look perfect that can come from today's beauty standards that no doubt have been raised because of some of the technology that's available today. The digital retouching and the filters that we can use on Instagram and other social media sites like TikTok. So today I really wanted to think about what beauty really means. And I invited on a guest who works with beauty for a living. Amanda Thomas is a fashion, beauty and portrait photographer shooting for fashion and beauty brands and ambitious big thinkers. So although I had planned to mainly think about things like the model industry, coming from my own past, which you may not know about, of having done some semi-professional work as a model photographer. But we actually got into a really nice conversation also about female entrepreneurs. So what happens when we really truly believe in ourselves, build more confidence and step out in front of a camera and dare to shine. So in this episode, I hope that you can understand that we don't have all the answers to this. We're just musing about what could be contributing to this pressure to look perfect and what can we as individuals do to try to step out of that a little bit. And how is the industry actually changing that there is more of a promotion of natural beauty and allowing the imperfections to remain in place rather than retouching it all away. So without further ado, I would like you to meet my guest. Welcome to the Pause Purpose Play podcast, Amanda. I'm really glad to have you here. Thank you. I'm really pleased to be here. Thanks for having me. I want to really think about quite a few questions today that can feel a bit deep. You know, we're going to think about some philosophical questions around beauty, but there's also something really practical to that because of the nature of your work. So I'm sure there's many different angles to beauty and, and you know, the pressure to be perfect that we can think about today. But before we dive in, tell the listeners a bit more about your story into your line of work. Um, Well, I'm a fashion, beauty and portrait photographer, and I've been running my own business, being a photographer for over 20 years. And when I first started out, I used to shoot a lot of rock stars and actors. So I was running around all over the place, making uh, rock stars approachable and friendly and uh, but also bringing out their sort of their story as well. And often it was done without much notice or without any kind of brief, you just get a time and an address and a name and that would be it. Um, And I did that for quite a few years and I totally loved it and I still have elements of that in my work now. But I really enjoy working with ambitious big thinkers, so like women entrepreneurs, established and startup and and basically women who want to make a difference. And um, a lot of those areas are occupied by um, fashion and beauty uh, and also portraits, you know, whether that's like a branding headshot or it's a more curated editorial portrait. 
So that's kind of my style and my story. And uh, I just absolutely love what I do. And I want to carry on doing it for as long as I can. It's a really fortunate place to be to feel that your work can also line up with your passion that you know, you tweak the way you work, the, the kind of assignments you take to make it more aligned with your purpose and what feels meaningful to you. So it sounds like you've really niched in on on that kind of line of work where you know you find these big thinkers and ambitious women. And I'm going to ask you lots of things about what you've found from your work as a photographer. But I wonder, working with these sort of ambitious women, you know, the female entrepreneurs, what what themes come out to you? What do you see when you're on a shoot with, with a woman like that? What kind of lessons have you learned from them over the years? That they all have a voice and they all have a story and they want to be heard and they want to be seen and they want to get their message across. And it's really important that people connect with with them and their message because there's a sense of kind of calm, strength and confidence in a lot of the um, women that I've worked with who are running their own business, men as well, obviously. But with these women, it's I'm finding um, a great deal of enjoyment and I don't know it's it's like um watching something bloom and grow and develop and it's just like you know I've had a hand in that because I've I've helped elevate them and and make people become more aware of them and I just love hearing their story and I love being someone who helps them elevate so um it makes me think of a gardener you know where you like you give a little bit of water a little bit of sunshine and you help them blossom bloom and grow and I think so many businesses have started last year during the pandemic and a lot of them are women and they've started them from their back room and I find it very exciting and I've gone slightly off topic but um <laughs> I think think that coming back to the topic the, uh, the, the thing is their voice and their confidence and getting their story across and connecting with like-minded women who are interested in what they are about with their brand. I know you kind of feel that you've come off topic a bit, but I'm sitting here with a smile on my face because this is how the best conversations <laughs> go, where you don't really know where it's going to take you. And I'm sitting here thinking, this is amazing stuff to hear how you get to follow that journey of them, like how you nurture them to to really bloom. And I wonder if you... Do you see a big difference then if, if you ever get um, one of these entrepreneurs coming back for round two for, you know, up, updating their brand shoot, shoots or, um, you know, getting more photos a couple of years later? Do you sort of see see that growth in, in action? I do. I do. And it's 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 a very kind of enjoyable, pleasant, uh, proud moment because it's just like I, I want them to do well. I'm an ambitious thinker myself I always try and sort of push at the edges with whatever I'm doing and I kind of bring that energy and sort of um, enthusiasm to the table and I kind of hand it over to them as well so say look you can have some of this as well because I can see the potential I can feel your story I can see where it's going to go and I want you to do that and I don't know it's just such an amazing feeling it's it's a real kind of just such a proud moment really when you see a client that's doing really well and you just think oh I helped them and um yeah it's just I I, (laughs) it's all running out of words really I can't think of the right word to describe it other than proud and it's 
um, really enjoyable. It, it's kind of, that doesn't really scratch the surface. That doesn't really do it any kind of justice. Which is often the case, I guess, when we have strong emotional connection to something, it's really hard to quantify that into a descriptive yeah. sentence. So I think it's, I'm blown away by how obvious that passion is in you when you kind of thinking about the journey and getting to be bearing witness to what they do and how they grow. And I guess it's sort of taken us a slightly different uh, route than, than we have first thought. But you know what, actually, that's that's quite nice, isn't it? That sometimes yeah. we're just curious about where a conversation takes us. And there's something really powerful there of witnessing people blossom. So I think that makes me think of beauty. I mean, there's a lot of beauty in nature, there's beauty in in budding um, blossoms in the spring and how beautiful flowers are when they come to their to their fruition. And what do you see, physically speaking, in these women when they have felt elevated, when they have been empowered, when they have stepped up and they're having that growth? Do you see anything change in their physical demeanor, like in their posture, how they hold themselves, or anything like that that you witness? Uh, yes, they, they stand taller. Um, figuratively and energetically they stand taller so there is like a sense of having found themselves a little bit more and they've grown in in all senses and it's just like sort of you get a bit of confidence you grow a bit more you get more confidence you grow even more and so it goes on and it's it's just kind of you can hold your own you know, you can um, talk on a stage to a group of people. Or you can do a presentation of a slide deck to potential clients. Uh, you know, you can open a shop. You can launch a new campaign. You can start a new business. And it's just all of that comes when you sort of push at the edges of your fear and realize that, you know, by going slightly outside of your comfort zone, that you can you can find that special place where you grow and it's just like, actually, yeah, I can do this. And when you do do it, it's such an enormous feeling. And seeing it in, you know, the faces of my clients and colleagues and friends, it's just like, you did it. You really did it. Not this girl can, this girl has. And it's just amazing. It's really nice to see. And that, that must feel very powerful for you to witness as well, that you've been part of that journey and helping that physical transformation of how the confidence is coming from within and then radiating out. Mm. And do you see the difference, you know, say beginning at the end of a photo shoot, do you see a difference on how, how that is coming across in the pictures? Yes, sometimes with the pictures, but it's more so with the clients, particularly, say, if it's the first time we've worked together or they are at the beginning of their business career or the beginning of the brand, they would understandably be a little bit nervous, even though we'd gone through loads of discussions and had meetings and done lots of planning and done a mood board. All of these things are done for reassurance and just to kind of qualify and clarify everything that we're doing and agreeing it. But, you know, like partway through the shoot, comparing the shots at the beginning and how the client is to how they are at the end of the day, there's a big difference. It's like a huge sense of relief. And it's just like, my God, we actually did it. This is amazing. You've made me look amazing. Or, you know, the, the brand looks amazing. Or I'm not saying this to blow my own trumpet. These are like things that clients have actually said. It's just like, I'm really pleased with this. It's just like, wow, I'm so happy I could cry. And that's just, you know, the most amazing thing um, when a client says that. And that feeling of, of feeling like I look amazing, that, you know, I guess that brings us on to thinking about how you define, you know, as a, as a photographer, how do you define beautiful? It's, it's how, a, how a person feels about themselves 
and I, I totally understand this because you could turn up in a really, you know, bad frame of mind and it's just going to show because you're radiating it from the inside out. Beauty for me is something that radiates out. It's not what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside that comes through, that lights up your face and how you act and how you move. <laughs> when, when I'm doing a portrait shoot or, you know, a headshot of somebody, I'm such a twit behind the camera. I'm larking around, being an idiot, dancing, pulling faces, putting on silly voices. I'm being a complete idiot. And whilst I'm doing this, while I'm being the clown, it's it's all to kind of entertain and relax the pe- the person or the people that I'm photographing. So I I feel like a complete idiot. I probably looked like one, and yet they're laughing. And I, you know, I've got quite a dry, deadpan sense of humour and. Know, I'm making them laugh so it's just kind of like they're relaxing it's just like you know show me your amazing smile because I know you've got an amazing smile because I saw it a couple of minutes ago so you know you know everyone has something amazing within them and that is what I'm trying to bring out so it's if by me playing the fool brings it out then I'll do it it's definitely worth doing <laughs> I guess it's sort of getting them to to, to relax, it means they also drop their guard and, and dare to be a little bit more vulnerable. And I guess it's quite an intimate process to have your portrait taken. Is that sort of the aim that you have there when you try to be a bit silly and, and kind of laughing and having using humour as a way to almost disarm them a bit? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it is a very uh, revealing process because you can see everything because all the cameras and lenses are super sharp and high definition. So you can see everything when you look on the screen. And for some people, that's, that's kind of a surprise and not necessarily a welcome surprise. So by making them feel different about the process helps. So, you know, by making it a pleasant experience. So, you know, they could be in hair and makeup and you know, I'll come along and have a conversation with them. They'll have some coffee. There may be, you know, some snacks or something and just making them feel really comfortable having a chat. And that sort of connection will continue through the shoot. And I'll be directing them, you know, saying little jokes. There'll be other people around. And it's just, you know, like I, I practice yoga, so I do kind breathing exercises with them it's just like okay so squeeze up your shoulders and drop them down inhale through the nose out through the mouth that type of thing so it's being a photographer is a cross between being a psychologist and a magician and it's a fine balance also of being a director so it, it's it's not just a question of taking photos it's kind of having to read someone and the situation and put them at ease yet get the results so it's quite an involved process. There's a lot going on at, at the same time there. I guess it's use, using your interpersonal skills to get someone to feel at ease, to help them to relax, to form that connection. But I mean, I'm going to use my favorite phrase here, which is connection, not perfection, which yeah. sounds like you're aiming for them to kind of tolerate the process of the scrutiny that, you know, obviously mm-hmm. you are very much captured on, on camera. but. Yeah aiming for the connection as a way to disarm them and felt make them feel safe and soothed and at ease which we do yeah. through our those kind of calming breathing exercises and that's where the magic happens that's when you get that click and I don't you know no pun intended there but that's when you yeah. click with your client and, <laughs> and that's where you can capture it on on screen is that sort yeah. of what you're describing yes yeah it is sometimes 
if you're shooting, if I'm shooting to a computer, which I do normally, you know, the team that I'm working with, it could be the makeup artist or the hairstylist, they could crowd around the, the monitor and see the images as they're coming through. And, you know, the client could be there as well. And it's just, it's, it's very, like you say, it's very intimate because you are working shoulder to shoulder for like, you know, a few hours at a time. So it's something that you kind of have to trust the process and know that you are in a safe space and there's no judgment. And I, with some people, particularly nervous people, I, I say to them, look, there is no judgment, not from me. You are fine as you are. You know, you don't have to feel that you have to be a particular way because I'm here to capture you and you are unique. And, and I mean that genuinely because, you know, it's everyone is unique. They're, they're, no two people are really the same. So it's, yes, about being authentic with them as well because they are there for a reason and I, I want to do them justice. So that's about capturing that unique person, you know, with that individual voice, the message they have to bring to the world. How is that differing from, say, when you shoot professional models or, you know, when you do sort of fashion or something like that where – Mm. there is so much scrutiny because we kind of used that word earlier there is so much scrutiny and pressure to look a certain way where actually yes there's still obviously each person is still a unique individual but there is pressure to fit into a mold might that be size wise height wise things like that um symmetry uh all of these pressures of how those um those individuals uh, those young boys and girls often need to look how what's the difference do you think when you shoot fashion models when I'm shooting with models, whether it's for beauty or fashion, because they're a model, that, that's their job. So they, they're sort of trained in that way. They know how to stand. They know how to look. They know how to pose. They know how to uh, find the light and, and how to work the camera. So how to work the lights. You know, they know how to coordinate everything together. So you know, like a CEO of a, you know, a startup or, you know, whoever it might be, isn't necessarily going to have that experience. So it's, in some respects, it makes my, my job a lot easier because I do direct, I always direct, but I do it less because they kind of know what they're doing. But with, to touch on the point that you said about, um, you know, looking a certain way or having to be a particular way, there are pressures, and I know that are from you know what I've heard from models. Um, you know when when they're having their hair and makeup done, you get you have a chat, and it's interesting interesting to hear things like that. But the industry is changing, and there are more people requesting more natural, realistic ways. I'm not a massive fan of this over retouched look. If somebody has like what you classically call imperfections then, you know, I think it's good to keep them in. If you've got something temporary like spots or some kind of rash, then, you know, that's temporary. That can be removed unless it has to be there to illustrate something in particular. But I think it's changing and I think it's a good thing because, you know, nobody has perfect skin, not even a newborn baby. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how that's going to change over the next few years because... The world seems to be changing so dramatically at the moment because of everything that's gone on with the pandemic and we're coming out of lockdown and that everyone's just doing a knee-jerk response. It's just like, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with 
the perception of beauty and fashion and, and, and the levels of retouching as well. Yeah, it's a really think it's really interesting dynamic there, which on the one hand, the digital manipulation, you know, the, the technology is improving constantly for what we're able to do. But then on the other hand, like you're describing, there's a, there's a pushback. There's, there's much more of a focus on authenticity and natural. And thankfully, through celebrities and, and you know big names like Jamila Jamil speaking out outright about how they're refusing to have um, retouching that changes their bone structure or length of their legs or things like that, which aren't, you know, temporary. So when I used to, um, when I used to do photography years and years and years ago, when I was choosing between being a psychologist or a photographer, and so that's hence why I really understand the combination of the psychology and magic in there. Yeah, <laughs> I used to have that as a general rule for myself that I would not retouch away anything that wasn't temporary. So anything that you know, a little bit of hair and makeup could have sorted out because you know that's their wizards, aren't they? They can do a lot of things to to yeah. help um, imperfections. Anything else that you wouldn't sort of just you know, magically kind of enhance a little bit like that with the um, with the with the wizardry of hair and makeup. Everything else I would let be. And I noticed even then there was obviously this is talking 20, 15, 20 years ago that even then there was such pushback, especially from the male photographers that I would um, collaborate with and talk to about making the waistline slimmer, elongating the legs. And I just felt such an urge to push back, and that was not what I wanted to do. Have you felt pressure from other people in the industry to comply with unrealistic standards like that? Um, not quite to that degree. I have had uh, a little bit of that, which does make me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Sometimes uh, when I've been shooting fashion, it's, it's more about the clothes. So it's, the corrections are more about sort of taking out creases and stretching them out. But with with the skin uh, and beauty retouching i had a, I, I did a shoot a few years ago for a client actually and she was adamant that every imperfection stayed in and that just was music to my ears i'd never heard that before and i i was so pleased to hear that and it it meant that the retouching was like virtually nothing it was just taking out stray hairs here and there you know distracting things in the background but actually just leaving the model as she I mean she you know gorgeous woman she didn't need anything so it, it's kind of not many people do need retouching a little bit of shine I find that distracting I, I don't particularly like shiny faces but again coming back to the how yeah. that could have also been temporarily fixed with a little bit of extra powder in the moment if you see what I mean. yeah. a little bit of shine yeah. is you know the the oil that comes on from the skin when we have all those big lights on as well so yeah. I think a little bit of shine that's distracting, that's not the same as changing the length of someone's nose or removing their freckles. So I think you're right there that this is so beautiful when people are purposefully saying, leave it in. She's mm. unique. I want her to be captured as, it was, as she was. And I wonder what that does to, I guess, the perception of beauty otherwise. When we have such powerful imagery, and an image obviously says more than a thousand words and things like that, when we have such powerful imagery on social media, in magazines, these things that young girls look at who don't have the, you know, perhaps the capacity to say to themselves, that's just a filter or that's digitally retouched and it's not real. Yeah. I wonder what that does when you think of the sort of the 
Paris filter, I believe it is, on Instagram that makes our skin super smooth. What are your thoughts on people using things like that when there are influencers showing up on social media? I, I think it's a shame, actually, that uh, these filters are used because, you know, a lot of influencers are, are young and they, they don't need them. I don't think anybody needs them, to be honest. And to me, maybe it's because I'm a photographer and I know what I'm looking for, but it's just it just looks a bit artificial to me. So I prefer the more the more realistic look because if you're an influencer and you're promoting, say, some skincare brand, then you want to see how it actually works on your skin, not some automated processed look. I think it's it's a a fine line really of of using the filters because like you say, as you touched on the point, it's just like teenagers aren't necessarily going to know the difference between, well, that's been heavily photoshopped or filtered and, you know, all that's actually how she looks. I think it should be used with care, real care, or not used at all. I mean, I would prefer it if people didn't use the filters, to be honest. Mm. Now, that's that's something I, I've used a filter that has, like, funny snowflakes in coming in of my face for Christmas. But other than that, I have a very strict no filter policy for myself when I go on Instagram um, mm. simply because of the message that I try to get to come across to people around imperfection and and you know being good enough because I've, I've read some research that even though we can tell ourselves that that's a filter or that's been photoshopped when we flick through the magazines the imagery is still influential in how we see ourselves mm. and how we feel this gap between me and her that she looks perfect and I don't so it's a sense of failure still hooking us even when we can say yeah yeah I know she doesn't actually look like that or I know she doesn't look like that on a Sunday morning when she rolls out of bed but consciously and logically telling ourselves that doesn't quite impact on the uh, the kind of deep-seated emotion we have about it when we look at the imagery mm. I personally haven't looked through I, haven't, I don't buy glossy magazines for myself because I yeah. know it, the impact it has on me uh, when I when I look through them, which is a shame because I miss the photography of it. I miss looking at the beautiful, beautifully yeah. shot imagery. So I guess that makes a lot of sense then, you know, like I just said about almost curating and what we see, but it's such a double-edged sword when we also might enjoy watching some of these things. Like you might enjoy reading about fashion and picking up tips around style, or like in my case, I enjoy watching the photography. It's a really tricky one that, and I'm not sure you've neither you nor I will have an answer for how we can manage with that because it's not about full avoidance either we can't just put the blinkers on not look inside the look outside in the world and see these things so I think you're right the sort of that we come come back to the sense of what does beauty mean to me where does it come from Mm. radiating out from within and you definitely see that in the journey that you follow people on where you see how Mm. they stand taller their posture changes they're feeling more confident and they can then go out into the world and, and deliver and obviously that's that's different to working with a professional model. That's their that's their job. Um, they obviously like an actor um, or performer that they're obviously stepping into that role. I wonder if we think about the main things, you know, anything else powerful that you've learned about beauty from being a photographer? A lot of beauty is a frame of mind and how you feel on the inside because two days next to each other you could be wearing exactly the same thing it could be this uh the same things are happening in your day but your frame of mind is different so one day you might feel a bit ugly and the other day you might feel beautiful uh, but to everyone else it's not much different so for me um 
beauty is definitely something that radiates from within to the outside. If you've had some really amazing good news, it shows on your face. You can see it in your eyes. You're twinkling and you're sparkling and you're smiling and your face looks lighter and uh, happier and sort of the energy that you're just giving off is, is different. So, you know, you reflect that to say like, you know, an hour later we get some really bad news. Nothing has actually physically changed in, in, you know, if you're wearing makeup or clothes or how your hair is, but you, you don't look as beautiful. You don't feel as beautiful because what's going on in the inside. So for me, it's, yeah, it's from within and how it comes comes through. There's so much about your frame of mind then then even when objectively nothing has changed in your physical appearance, your yeah. your face has the same bone structure as it did the day before. But yeah. when we are stepping into that radiance, then it's it starts to ripple out, it sounds like. So it's a really powerful message. And before we started speaking, you also mentioned that, like you said, um, around sort of pushing things to the edge or you like to be on the edge of things. Yeah. I wonder with everything that you've achieved, you know, describing everything from you working with models in, in the fashion industry to working with rock stars. There's a lot of things you built. You've got an amazing brand. You're doing some amazing jobs. How do you find kind of the balance between your ambition and, and the achievement and kind of rest and recovery? I'm really good at switching off at the weekends. <laughs> I don't quite know how, but um, with with the the work that I do and how I work, I pour a lot of energy into it. So it also is like having like five espressos. So I I could be doing a shoot somewhere and then I'll be like you know, traveling home and I'll be just like buzzing, and then I'll sleep like a log. And then uh, it's a jo- feeling that a job well is well done and the client is happy is just kind of helps me switch off. I can't relax until I know that they're happy. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. I, I guess it's sort of, it's almost like then you get a release because then it's the job is done and you can let go of it and park it and switch off into something yeah. else. And, and what do you tend to do after? Cause it sounds like it's a lot of, you know, burning a lot of cylinders there to, <laughs> to bring that ambitious energy and have the fun and the laughter to kind of, make them feel at ease and then deliver it's very sort of high fast paced what do you then concretely do to sort of pause and take a break and switch off when you get home I can't relax until I've unpacked the car and put all my gear away and I know that everything is sorted and then um, I would probably lie on the sofa maybe make a phone call have something to eat Sometimes like have an Epsom salt bath and then just like have an early night or a lie in the next day. It's kind of, it's just simple pleasures, really. That's, that's how I like to relax and switch off, disconnect, sort of going for a walk in nature, taking a salt bath, having a nap. Quite like a nap, actually. <laughs> I, I love a good nap ever since I became a parent. Like the, the power naps are just golden. Oh, so, yeah. It sounds like finding those simple pleasures, like, it doesn't have to be complicated and it sounds no. like you're kind of doing things to nourish your body I mean you've been on your feet all day long shooting mm. so having an Epsom salt bath sort of that extra magnesium isn't it it's yeah. really helpful for you know releasing restless legs and things like that so it sounds like just having a proper what slowing down the pace the things you're describing are all quite slower pace like lying down resting napping yeah. slow walk bath 
it's very different to the high energy you bring when you're in your element, when you're connecting with your purpose. So I think that's a really nice way of balancing that you let the seesaw tip over the other side, that it can be slow and low energy when Mm. you come home as a way to kind of recharge again. Mm. Um, So yeah, it doesn't have to be complicated. Sometimes people are like a little bit embarrassed about their self-care practices. You know, I had one psychologist talk about it kind of um, uh, looking for the word a bouncing board. I was going to say trampoline that she had in her office. I was like, that's a brilliant idea. Just bouncing up and down on a trampoline. Because in her work, she'd be sitting a lot, right? It's high energy mentally, but physically, yeah. you know, we don't do a lot. I don't, you know, I've sit on my bum all day when I talk to clients. So, so we all have to have different practices based on what we then do that we burn our energy on. So for you, lying down seems like a brilliant balancing act, counterbalance to standing up yeah. all day. I am standing up all day and I, I barely sit down. I might, might inhale a sandwich or a salad or something. But, you know, on a full day shoot, I will probably sit down for 20 minutes max, not, yeah. not including driving time, obviously. But, um, yeah, during the shoot, it's just if I sit down, my energy starts to dip and um, that that can be dangerous if it dips too much because it's got you, you have the post lunch slump. And then it's just like really difficult to get the next shot. And then you kind of have to work twice as hard to get back to the energy level that you were at before lunch. So yeah. I'm, I'm mindful of that. So it's just like everyone go off and do lunch. I'll come and join you. I will stop and chat for 20 minutes and then just let's crack on because um, there's a lot to do and you've got to keep that energy up. So it is quite high and powerful and, and it is like being on a trampoline for like eight hours. <laughs> yeah. So then you don't really don't need more trampolining when you come home. No. Whereas most of us who sit down and do a lot of mental gymnastics, that's sort of what I do all day long. It feels like I've yeah. sort of spent, a, you know, four hours of, of constant chess playing. I just need to do something that is very different. So I might put the radio on and kind of dance in my kitchen and do high energy things to release some of the mental energy. So it's completely polar opposite. Yeah. different I guess very different jobs and professions need different types of self-care practices which is why I'm always so keen for people to not be prescriptive about self-care or um, you know these kind of nurturing activities we do to release and relax because it depends on who you are what your temperament is like and what you've been doing all day long so yeah. otherwise people might think oh I should should go for a jog well, it's probably not really what you need because you've been burning a lot of energy just being on your feet all day. Whereas it might be, like you mentioned earlier, yoga is a really nice counterbalance for you where you're slowing down, lying down, slowly moving, stretching out the muscles you've been using all day long. So what do you take away from yoga? What's particularly helpful for you? Yoga Nidra is a brilliant one. That's um, obviously that's at the end of the session. But just that's a nap. <laughs> it's basically just a glorified nap. Um, <laughs> Uh, any kind of sun salutation, really, and just sort of stretches, uh, because that just by holding a stretch, that is a workout in itself, because you're making the muscle move in a way that it's not necessarily used to being used. So, you know, there's some amazing poses that you just think, how is that possible? (laughs) Mm. But, you know, once you've done your warm up, you just think, yeah, actually, I can do a crow pose, or I can, you know, tie myself in a knot. The yoga pretzel. Yeah, yoga pretzel. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> do a handstand. Um, it's the, the balance is do what feels right for you. So it's your body, anyone's body is really good at telling you what it needs. So it's just a question of listening to it because it has a quiet little voice. So if you've been mental and frantic all day, rushing around, 
then uh, like you say, going for a run isn't necessarily the right thing to do. But if your body is telling you, actually, I do need a run because I've got itchy feet or fizzy legs or, you know, that's what my friends call it. It's you need to just like run that energy off or, you know, have a hot bath and listen to some chill out music. Absolutely. So it's about tuning into what you need in any given moment and knowing that depending on what your week is thrown up for you or your day is thrown up for you, it might be very different practices. So everything yeah. from jumping on a trampoline to laying a jigsaw puzzle, it might be just very different things that you need on any given moment. Mm-hmm. And to draw things to a close, obviously we talked a lot about you know, the work you do. And I guess an element of that is creativity. So I wonder if, is your work playful for you? Or is there another way that you play that isn't to do with your line work? Um, my work is playful and I get a lot from my, from my work. So I, I get excited on, on behalf of where we can go with some, something. So we have an idea and it's just like, well, we plant this little seed and I'm going to give it loads of attention and thoughts and see where we can take it it's always easy to dial something down than it is to dial it up after a certain amount of time I find because you know the more people that get involved in a discussion it's it's harder to make it bigger it's easier to make it smaller so I always like to think big first and then kind of size it to fit there's a lot of adrenaline and excitement on a shoot and in the preparation for a shoot. So, you know, collaborating ideas, because I always like to have like a really good discussion with the client about where they want to go with something and to make sure that they are on the same page as me. I will go away and make a mood board and I'll ask them to do a little bit of homework. So make their own mood board just so they can. So it's it's just something where they can hang their idea on and we can build on that. So making that come to life during the shoot is a big form of creativity for me, which um, I get a lot from. And how do you play outside of work? That's a good question. Um, I love nature and I quite like swimming in the sea. That's quite a new thing for me. So I think I might be doing a little bit more of that when it gets warmer. I love walking on the beach, just being in nature, you know, around trees near the beach. That's a good question, actually, and you've slightly floored me. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's, that's good. I guess that's good because I, I, uh, I often get told I ask um, deep, insightful questions making people think. So I don't mean to make this into a therapy session. No, it's no, just no. More like, actually, sometimes we can reflect on that when we have a very – innovative creative playful job it can be really difficult to think about what is play for me outside of work you know when there's no pressure to perform or something nothing to deliver it's just fun for me and you know it's there must be something that you want to explore and think about afterwards actually what do I like playing what was it about nature that's playful for me is it about freedom is it about being liberated is it about running or skipping on the beach or is it just throwing myself headfirst into that cold water and go woo? You know, it's actually what would be playful about it. So is that something of just letting yeah. go of expectation for a bit, letting go of rules and adulthood for a bit and just being a bit more silly and playful. So it sounds like you do a lot of that at work. And it might be yeah. that maybe your your outside of work persona is a little bit more grounded, looking for stability, connecting with nature, which is, again, you know, a tree with deep roots. Can you think of anything more stable than that? So it might be that's just a counterbalance again for you. Like we do in yoga, we do a pose and then you do a counterpose. 
Yeah. So it kind of makes sense that maybe that's just how you even your life out. So without going deeper than that, I'll leave you to think <laughs> about the rest. I love when I do that to people like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. You're, yeah. like, you're welcome. I'll send you my bill afterwards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> jokes aside, we're going to draw things to a close now. And just I want you to just think of one tangible takeaway for the listeners, either a permission you want to give them or a pressure you want to take off them. What would it be? Everyone has something to bring to the table. So everyone has inner beauty. And I would like people for a takeaway, whether a man or a woman, to think about or feel their inner beauty and try and bring it to the surface because that will uh, make them radiant. And I think that is, that sounds quite hippie, but um, maybe I am a little bit, but it's about discovering your inner beauty. Mm. And all the strengths and all the gifts that you have to bring to the table that when you remind yourself of those, when those are present in the forefront of your mind, like you said, good day versus bad day, when those things are at the forefront of your mind, you remind yourself of your worth and your value and all the gifts you bring to the table, you will radiate outwards, regardless of what's happened to your nose from the day before. Yeah. Brilliant. That's so powerful. Thank you so much, Amanda, for being an amazing guest and for allowing me to go a bit off piece with things. And we've had a few laughs and I can imagine how much fun you must be on a shoot. So if anyone would like to work with you or find out more about you or follow you, where would they find you? They can find me at amandathomasphotographer.co.uk. That's my website. Or if they want to find me on Instagram, my Instagram name is amandathomasphotographer, all one word. Fantastic. So I'm sure we get some new people following you and understanding that if they were to be photographed by you, they would leave that shoot feeling confident and good about themselves and just getting some nice pictures in the process. So thank you so much for being an amazing guest. I really valued our chat today. Thank you. It's been great chatting and thank you for having me. That was a really interesting chat I had with Amanda Thomas. And it made me really miss doing some photography and actually remembering how much of a passion it was of mine at one point. Really choosing between whether I was going to be a psychologist or a photographer. And I found a little bit of a balancing act with taking some portraits of big thinkers within the psychology industry. Um, for as long as I could and wrote for some magazines and newspapers and I believe that I've even had one of my portraits published in um, the Latin American version of National Geographic. So that was a little insight into my past when I was in my early 20s or so. If you really enjoy this episode why don't you send it to someone who really needs to reflect on their beauty standards and that maybe get really quite hooked when they see influencers having those filters on or being hard on themselves about their own appearance, but you actually think they're a stunning person inside and out. And if you yourself are hard on yourself, maybe you have an inner critical voice telling you you're not quite good enough, that you need to be perfect, and that maybe you you blame yourself for any mistakes you make. Maybe it's not just about beauty and body image, maybe it's about lots of different areas of your life. If you're interested in exploring more about how to soothe your inner critical voice and being more compassionate with yourself, as well as your partner, you can check out my upcoming course, The Compassionate Couple, which launches on the 26th of April. Go to thethomasconnection.co.uk forward slash the compassionate couple. And I'll put that link in the show notes as well. And until I see you next time, do take care of yourself.
Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I know it's not easy when you feel busy and overwhelmed to find time for another thing to do. If this is you, if you feel overwhelmed or that you are close to your breaking point, then I've got a downloadable checklist for you that's going to help. This checklist is called Calm the Overwhelm. The first section has signs and symptoms of you being overwhelmed mentally or physically, showing you that you might be close to breaking point or burning out. The second part is actionable, easy things you can do to try to slow down and give yourself a break. And the third part is a checklist of all the things that might show up when you're asking yourself to take a break. Perhaps your inner critical voice will have an opinion about why you're not allowed to give yourself the permission to pause. To download this free resource, go to www.thethomasconnection.co.uk forward slash calm. So that's thethomasconnection.co.uk forward slash calm. This episode of the Pause Purpose Play podcast was presented by me, Michaela Thomas. You can find me on thethomasconnection.co.uk. And because great work rests on having a great team, this episode was kindly edited by Emily Crosby Media.